Talk Radio 790 KABC. Thank you for joining us here on this, the Frank Sontag Show. We are here every Friday evening from 7 until 9. Next Friday evening at 7 o'clock. At the beginning of the program, I have a special announcement. I can't make it tonight. So if you can, listen next week right at the beginning. If not, download the podcast. The information I'm going to relay on the air is, well, probably the most important announcement I've made since I've been here. All right. We have some folks on the phone. Let us clear the phone banks. And then I'm going to jump into the world of a 12-year-old and compare me (laughs) when I was 12 to this young man that we're going to hear from in a few moments. But let us talk to Tom and then Brent Tom is in Garden Grove. Tom, you're on the Frank Sontag Show on 790 KABC. Hey, Frank, uh, I really appreciate your show. I, I, I love the fact that people can call in, um, you know, tell you how they feel, what they feel, whatever. It's a great show for that because you, you're able to hear, you know, the people on the ground, right? So anyway, everybody has their different opinions. My opinion is I'm a total Republic, Republican. Ever since I was a little kid, I had to push my car to the gas station to get uh, gas. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Odd even. Odd odd or even license plates. Exactly. Ever since then, I said, you know what? I'm done with Democrats. Because all they like to do is is cause my my job uh, to possibly be lost. Mm -hmm. And ever since, it's it's been that way. But anyway, it's kind of funny you mentioned about Kerry because on the screen, that's what I was talking about. You know, uh, John Kerry is just flying around in his in his jets, going all over the place. He has no report card. He doesn't have to, you know, to tell anybody what he's up to, or he's just off in his own. And and I don't see him driving a little Volt or a Prius um, while he's trying to tell us to do it. And I, I'm also hearing that the European countries are kind of fighting back a little bit. Yeah. But as far as that that goes, I I think millions and millions of years ago, I, I think we've had the same kind of weather. We're heavy now, so I don't. I don't get it. I mean, millions of years ago. I mean, I've heard of you know pretty bad weather back in the days. Um, also, as far as like you know this global warming thing, I think they need to do it without panicking everybody. I think they need to do it little by little because we use oil for everything. I mean, even the asphalt that we use on the ground is made out of some type of oil. Our tires, everything. Do baby steps. And then everybody will eventually kind of get into the electrical. But what they're doing now is they're panicking everybody. I don't like it. We're all under a lot of stress, as it is, with inflation, all that other good stuff. And they're, they're throwing this on. I, I don't appreciate that. Tom, for, I, for, yep, you're welcome. Thank you for calling. Let me comment, and I'll be brief. For me, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about this doom and gloom scenario. And this is where... I won't say I've, I've become suspicious because I was part of that movement in the 80s and 90s. I was a radical environmentalist. I really believed that we needed to change our ways or it's over. I had a bumper sticker on my plate uh, on, of my car that said, love your mother. And it was a picture of the earth. I was one of those dudes. I was a tree hugger. I thought we were in big trouble. And back then... It went from the precursor was the Ice Age, and that went out the window in the 70s. Then we started hearing about acid rain, and what I jumped in was the the ozone layer, where if we don't 
change our ways in 10 years, the ozone layer is going to open up and we're all going to burn to death. And somehow it didn't happen. So forget global warming and climate change. It just seems whether we say, I don't really know the ultimate answer, but those that are in positions of pushing this agenda seem to have one thing in common, that generationally the undermining emphasis is always on doom and gloom. That if you don't, dot, 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 then the end is near. And we're still here. So to me, it defies logic in and of itself. And then you start looking in between those that quite possibly are benefiting from some of these policies. I don't mean to pick on Barack Obama. He's the first one that comes to mind. I I don't like a lot of the policies he enacted, but the guy gave eight years of his life to run the country. Good luck on that. That has to stand for something, but he's one that talks a lot about the fears of global warming and climate change and the oceans are going to rise. Why in the good Lord's name would he buy a multi-million dollar estate on the ocean if he really thought that within 10 years it was going to be bye-bye? doesn't make sense. And I don't single-handedly mean to pick him out. I mean, I can go down the line with examples of individuals, but I'll tell you who the, the real Armageddon pushers are. It would be the World Economic Forum. Those people are flat-out evil and are demonic. They want to control the world. You want to you want to spend some sleepless nights. Start reading between the lines what they are trying to push. And and they're blatant about it. They don't give a rip about what you think. They think they can dominate the world whether you're in or not. It's some pretty dark stuff. So let us go from doom and gloom to on the screen it says real love and romance. <laughs> Brent in Los Angeles, one of my favorite callers. Brent, you're on 790 KABC. Hi, Frank. Hey, Brent. Yeah, I'm in a different place. Yeah. (laughs) I want to discuss how true romance is revolutionary and how only real love can lead to a transcendent life and how only real love has the power to naturally and spiritually lead to sacred marriages families and a God-centered civilization, unlike the amoral atheist left, for whom love is always a lie and an act of narcissistic nihilism and deception. And I think real love always requires morality and honor, honesty and God. And these are the same qualities also required for the making of real men and real women. And I think this explains the the toxic tragedy behind the trans-satanic Marxist movement in today's hateful Biden land. I was reading somewhere in a stack of articles, it's probably the CDC survey, that it has to do with the youth being confused over sexual identity. Mm -hmm. And among the many things that stood out, if I can find it quickly, I'd, I'd love to hear your comments. It was one expert said the following, quote, there's a change that has happened. It's corroborated by sources other than the CDC. The Institute at the UCLA School of Law notes teenagers 
are now identifying as transgender up to nearly 20%. So that's one in five teenagers mm-hmm. saying they're transgender. And part of this article talks about what's happened here. This is an anomaly. In fact, I'll get into it maybe next hour and read the specifics. But somehow in the last few years, all of a sudden, what is is the youth waking up to their true identity and or... Is there something more at work here and more admiss, more darker, if you will? Yeah, well, it is darker, but it's also very typical. You know, this the trans thing is very in and hip and now. And psychiatric dor- disorders have a they, – they are – go in, um, in styles. And there was a time where people would have delusions of being Jesus or Napoleon – And in today's world of delusion, because we're dealing with a lot of mentally ill and broken and distorted people, and they're lost. And and so people of authority in white coats are saying, oh, you're transgendered. There is no such thing. It's a lie. It's a deception. And so it is a demonic darkness. But it is, you know, in a godless world, when you take God and you rip him out of the world, you're not left with nothing. You're left with Satan. And that's... Yes, and you and I, because we know each other, we have different faiths, if you will, but we believe in the same God, and here's where I I went with, as you shared, completely in agreement with you. This is also an intention to destroy the nuclear family. Yes. Because when you take out the nuclear family, the next step is forget about civilization. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why it's not new. We're dealing with ancient problems. The Bible very clearly says you don't do these things because people were doing them, and it always led to their doom. Brent, I'm always blessed when you call. Thank you for sharing tonight. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you, too. 800-222-5222. 800-222-KABC. When we get back, a 12-year-old boy center stage had to testify, read a statement that he wrote, and my first thought was, what was I doing when I was 12? <laughs> and he's very brave. It, 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 it lies completely part and parcel of what Brent was talking about, the whole transgender issue. We'll read the CDC survey as well. Take more calls, 800 222 KABC, more of the Frank Sontag Show next on 790 KABC. 790 KABC, welcome back to the Frank Sontag Show. 800-222-KABC are the numbers to call into the program. When I was 12 years old, I was trying to think back, what kind of state of mind was I in? And if my timeline is correct... I actually skipped the fourth grade, so I started high school a year early. So when I was 12, I entered high school, which was a disaster waiting to happen in and of itself. I would not suggest you skip your child. Four years of high school, I was always a year or two behind everybody. That's another story for another time. But at 12, I think I kind of had some smarts, although when it came to a worldview understanding society, man, I was as lost as any 12-year-old who was about to enter puberty and between hormones kicking in, peer pressure and all the other stuff that happens, it was not a good time. 
I don't have fond memories of being 12. So I saw a video this week, we're going to run the audio in a moment, of a 12-year-old student who was threatened because he wore a T-shirt to school. Now, let me run the audio. It speaks for itself, and then we'll figure out how we're going to follow up with it on the other side. This is a 12-year-old unidentified young student. I never thought that the shirt I wore, thought that the shirt to school on March 21st would lead me to speak with you today. I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. What did my shirt say? Five simple words. There are only two genders. I have been told that my shirt was targeting a protected class. Who is this protected class? Are their feelings more important than my rights? I don't complain when I see pride flags and diversity posters hung throughout the school because others have a right to their beliefs just as I do. I feel like these adults were telling me that it wasn't okay for me to have an opposing view. Their arguments were weak, in my opinion. I know that I have a right to wear those five shirt with those five words. Even at 12 years old, I have my own political opinions, and I have a right to express those opinions. This right is called the First Amendment to the Constitution. 12 years old. When I was 12, I didn't even know what the Constitution was, let alone the First Amendment. But let's just unpack that for a moment. He wears a school to, uh, a shirt to school, saying there are only two genders. Obviously, there's a tip-off there. I, I can't remember ever. I mean, maybe I wore a shirt with, I don't know, Michael Jordan or something. But obviously, there's a little bit of a an edge there going in. So I get that. But to say this is a protected class, that being transgender, it is something we've talked a lot about on the program. If you do not follow me on social media, on my Instagram ministry page, which is KMG Ministries, I talked about this last week, I posted a video of an Italian elite track athlete who identifies as transgender and the dude's running against the women and annihilates them as biological men do celebrates at the finish the dude's not even in shape he's got a beer belly but I digress so I posted this a few weeks ago as of airtime this has 168,000 views now I'm just going to be very transparent my Instagram page for ministry, we've got, I don't know, 5,000 followers. On a good day, I'll get maybe 5,000 views, 168,000 views. And the comments, over 4,000 comments, I've probably deleted 200 comments because I don't allow vulgarity on my wall, but the overwhelming majority of people not happy with this issue. Like, I just can't imagine that the obvious is this defies party lines. This is everybody, save a small percentage of the population. And yet, we get it pushed on us. The CDC now says a growing number of young people appear to be rejecting heterosexuality. This is a new survey just released a few days ago. The survey's findings suggest that one in five U.S. high school students are something other than heterosexual or questioning their own sexual identity. Meg Kilgannon, who is a senior fellow for education studies, 
said parents must recognize there are forces targeting children with perspectives that are at odds with God's plans. The unspoken factor behind the numbers in these reports, she says, quote, is the absolute epidemic of pornography that confronts children at younger and younger ages. Kilgannon went on to say, our children are not growing up in the world we grew up in. They have technologies that provide them with images we would never have imagined. She noted youngsters are viewing these images at young, formative ages. She went on, we need to be honest with ourselves. As much as we try to protect our children, there is a billion-dollar pornography industry that is coming after our kids with their messaging. She says the only defense against this onslaught is for young people to understand and appreciate the beauty and wonder of God's plan for human sexuality, end quote. Irene Erickson is a senior research analyst. She weighed in, quote, the data is very different than it was as recent as six years ago, pointing out that the categories of bisexuality and questioning sexual identity had the most dramatic increases. She said, we do need to ask why this shifted so dramatically in such a short time. This article continues. Also of note is the biennial surveys that are higher rates of poor mental health and suicidal thoughts and behaviors. Listen to this shocking statistic. As recent as 2021... Almost 60% of female students experienced, quote, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. And as recent as this year, nearly 25% of respondents, young girls, reported making a suicide plan. This is unbelievable. Erickson said the number of students identifying as transgender in England has skyrocketed over the past 10 years, with most of the increase with teenage girls. Erickson went on to note that some who study these trends cite messages about sexuality that youngsters are receiving on the Internet as contributing to the growth and confusion. Quote, there is a change that has happened. It is corroborated by sources other than the CDC. An analysis of data including the CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Study by the Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law notes that teenagers identifying as transgender make up to almost 20% of the transgender-identified population in the United States. Quote, when you ask people about their sexual identities in this way, Kilgannon said many students are making claims about their sexuality when they have never had any sort of meaningfully emotional or intimate relationship with another person. End of quote. Brent kind of hit it on the head from my viewpoint. When you talk about morality or lack thereof, not his words, my words, we're living in a society that has turned its back on God. 
we are living, obviously, this is a broad stroke. We were living at a time where society, we make ourselves up as our own gods. When you talk about fearing God, understanding things like the Bible, more and more people are turning their backs. Do your own thing. I'm born this way. Make it up as you go along. Live and let live. If you look at the history of humanity, our track record is not very good in this area. That when we rely on our own impulses, our own whims, our own desires, the Bible talks about our heart is depravity. And you may say, oh, that's, that's why I don't follow the Bible. That's why I'm not a Christian. I'm a good person. Ask the majority of people if they're a good person. Most people would say yes. I haven't murdered anybody. You know, I, I try to do my part. But we live in a society by which it's the, the biggest religion going is the worship of self. We're in it. We're there. We're our own gods. Don't tell me that I'm to fear God and there are, I don't know, fill in the Ten Commandments or, or whatever edicts. a God that's made us in his image, leave it up to our own whims. I mean, there's so much to this. This is a very, this is an issue filled with complexities, no doubt. I don't want to oversimplify any of this. This is serious stuff, very complex. But you want to talk about the deterioration of the nuclear family? I have no statistics in front of me, but fatherlessness and homes skyrocketing. More and more children not being raised by two parents. The leftist agenda, the whole transgender issue is an attack on the nuclear family. If you can take out the nuclear family, you can take out society. These are people, these are leftists. Shall I get deeper? Socialists. Shall I get deeper? Marxists. They hate this country. They've infiltrated so many large areas of great influence. And above all, they hate God. They hate God. You try to stand up for God in this day and age? No rule of law. No respect for one another. It's like a Lord of the Fly scenario. Every person for themselves. Evil doesn't even hide itself anymore. And I need to say this in closing as we move forward. Because it may sound like, well, that's a, that's a world I don't want to live in. Look, the truth is, when you do know who you are, In relation to God, you only have hope because he is the hope of the world. And he's the only answer to any of this. But he gives us free will. He loves us so much that he gives us free will. And in my belief, 
He loves us so much he sent his only son to die in our place. Yes, I believe that. And a former New Age teacher for 21 years, sharing a bit about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's the only way. It's the only answer. And as Brent said, love is the only answer. But not human love. We throw these words around so casually. I love you. I love you. I'm talking about God's love for us. God's love for us. 800-222-5222. 800-222-KABC. More of this, The Frank Sontag Show on Talk Radio 790-KABC. You're listening to Talk Radio 790-KABC. This is The Frank Sontag Show. We are here every Friday evening from 7 until 9 on Talk Radio 790-KABC. One of the reasons why we have the blessing of being on the air is our sponsors. Berglund and Johnson Law Group are one of our sponsors, one of our main sponsors. Dan Johnson is a dear friend of mine. Berglund and Johnson fights for those who have suffered life-changing injuries. Maybe you've been in an auto, motorcycle accident. You've been seriously injured. They have been at the forefront for 40 years helping people piece their lives back together. Now, maybe you're in the middle of a situation. You have an attorney. You can call Berglund and Johnson for a free evaluation. They have no agenda. They will just give you a second opinion. It costs you nothing. And if they decide to take your case on, you pay nothing unless you win the case. Their number is 1-800-4-IF-HURT. 800, the number 4, and the words if hurt. Berglund and Johnson Law Group have been doing such great work in our community for more than 40 years. And I can personally attest that Dan Johnson is a man of integrity and loves to help people. If you're in trouble, you need help. Call 800 for the number if hurt. I have never been interested in AI, artificial intelligence. It seems like more and more recently we're hearing about reports that are, well, a bit disparaging from the get-go. Now, this man I've never heard of, Jeffrey Hinton, but he evidently has a moniker known as the godfather of AI. Recently, he quit Google because of his integrity and says that AI is scary and that he needs to speak out now. He is a groundbreaking innovator in the field of AI and is now sounding the alarm over the dangers imposed by the technology for which his life's work has been. He's a British computer scientist, recently left his position as vice president and engineering fellow at Google. Pretty good position to have. Now he's joined dozens of other experts in the field speaking out about the threats and risks of AI. Hinton is 75. In a recent interview, he shared the following, quote, it's hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using it for bad things, end quote. Following the launch of OpenAI's latest version of its GPT chat box in March, other AI professionals signed an open letter written by the group Future of Life Institute, which is a nonprofit, 
warning that the technology poses, quote, profound risks to society and humanity, end quote. Hinton, like the letter's signatories, said he finds the recent advancements in AI to be what he calls scary, worries about what they might mean for the future, and pointed recently, particularly in that Microsoft has incorporated the technology into its Bing search engine. With Google now rushing to do the same, Hinton noted that the race between big tech companies to develop more powerful AI could easily spin out of control. One particular facet of AI technology that concerns him is the, listen to this, is the ability to create false images, photos, and text to the point where the average person will not be able to know what is true anymore. Think about that. You're bombarded with information, images, photos, text, and you don't even know what's true. You can't separate truth from falsehood. He also warned AI could potentially replace humans in the workplace and be used to create fully autonomous weapons. Hinton said, quote, the idea that the stuff could actually get smarter than people. A few people believed that at one time. Most people thought that was way off. I thought it was way off. I thought maybe 30 to 50 years or even longer away. Now, I obviously do not think that at all. End quote. It's a 75-year-old man that's dedicated a lot of his life to AI. His history, primarily known for his role in the development of deep learning, a form of machine learning that trains computers to process data like the human brain. That work was integral to the development of AI, but in retrospect, Hinton says now he regretted his role in the process. Quote, I console myself with a normal excuse. If I hadn't done it, somebody else would have, end quote. He said he had to notify Google last month that he was leaving the company after more than 10 years. He could not stand silent any longer. In a recent interview, we've talked about Elon Musk a little bit. He also says open AI is dangerous. He says that Larry Page, Google's co-founder, was not taking risks of AI seriously. Musk said, quote, he really seemed to want digital superintelligence, basically digital God, as soon as possible. He's made many public statements over the years that the whole goal of Google is what's called AGI, artificial general intelligence or artificial superintelligence. Musk said, I agree with him that there's great potential for good, but there's also potential for bad, end quote. Musk, who also signed the Future of Life Institute's letter, has been outspoken recently about his concerns with AI in general, holding that it poses a serious risk to human civilization. Listen to this analogy in closing. Quote, Musk said AI is perhaps more dangerous than, say, mismanaged aircraft design or production maintenance or bad car production. In the sense that it is, it has the potential... However small one may regard that probability, but it is non-trivial. It has the potential of civilizational destruction, end quote. Another fear Musk revealed is the worry that AI is being trained in political correctness, which he maintained is just a form of deception and saying untruthful things. Look, I don't know much about any of this. I just follow it and read it because I think it's important. 
I oftentimes cite a book that was printed more than 30 years ago called In the Absence of the Sacred, and it's a book that speaks out against technology. And in the 30 years from then until now, more and more of this book just ring true like the author was onto something 30 years ago. One of his basic premises then was that we don't hear any balanced pushback about technology. We just hear all the good stuff. And his argument in the book wasn't necessarily that all technology was bad. But he said, if you really put this together, there are potentially detrimental and disastrous ways in which technology and now AI can really change a civilization, not for the good. The analogy that pops into my head Have we let the genie out of the bottle and is it too late? I don't know, but I will continue to share this information because it's important. 800-222-KABC, 800-222-5222. Few news stories, maybe we'll take more calls. And our final segment is upon us. It's next here on the Frank Sontag Show on Talk Radio 790-KABC. Talk Radio 790-KABC. Welcome to the Frank Sontag Show, our final segment. Just got an email from a listener. I made mention of Rumble a while ago. We are on Rumble. Rarely do I mention that. And said listener named Hope said that she downloaded the second hour of last week's program and said she was shocked by what she heard. Uh, Last Friday night's program in the second hour, we talked about the video that I alluded to. Earlier this hour, the self-identified transgender man running in Italy and the video and a commentary, and we we got into it last Friday night. So we are on Rumble. If you are also on Rumble, subscribe to us. It's a freebie. All our podcasts are there, or if you go to franksontag.com. Hope, thank you for listening to the program. Thank you for your comments. Jumping around a little bit, Kaylee McEnany. The former White House press secretary is going to fill in in the Tucker Carlson slot next week on Fox. Someone called me and said she was the new host. Uh, I can't find that anywhere. I found that she is filling in next week. I like Kaylee McEnany a lot. I think the woman is brilliant. Anheuser-Busch, CEO, in an attempt to (laughs) right the ship, when it, when it comes to their decisions with uh, Dylan Mulvaney, whatever the dude's name is, right? Anheuser-Busch CEO, now they're going to compensate workers. Huh? Michael Dorcaris, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, announced that they're going to start compensating workers amid the backlash targeting the beer after they decided to partner with transgender uh, activist Dylan Mulvaney. The, the quote is just, I'll read it. Bud Light's delivery drivers, sales, representatives, and distributors will get a $500 bonus each, claiming that they've been confronted by angry people on the street. He added, quote, think about those truck drivers, the delivery people, the sales reps, merchandisers. Those are people that are the fabric of our business. They are family and neighbors, end quote. 
However, the CEO told the paper that his company would continue to support LGBT organizations and a comment that likely will not quell the backlash against the brand anytime soon. He said, quote, we remain committed to the programs and partnerships that we have forged across decades. We've given donations to military veterans group, organizations that support black and Hispanic communities and LGBT groups. By the way, if you're interested in raw numbers, for the week that ended on April 22nd, Bud Light's retail store sales have dropped another 21%. (laughs) Sales of Coors Light and Miller Light rose 21%. That's not hard to figure out. Controversy prompted Bud Light to place two executives, Alyssa Hennerscheid, the woman, the brainchild of this horrible decision. She was the vice president of marketing, another exec, Daniel Blake. They're on, well, unplanned leave. Imagine that. And I saved, I won't say the best story for last, but this one blows my mind. I'm Italian by ancestry. I've never been to Italy. But I've always been fascinated by Michelangelo, studying him, what he did to um, just change the world, the Renaissance era, all that stuff. So this teacher, Hope Carasquia, she's a principal here in the United States. She was forced to resign after parents complained about an art lesson. that showed one of the world's most famous sculptures. That would be the Statue of David. Now, she and her family went to see Michelangelo's David at Florence's Academia Galleria recently. Said she was impressed. Quote, I think it's beautiful. I think it looks like church, end quote. She also went on to say there's nothing wrong with the human body in and of itself. Michelangelo would have done him wrong to sculpt him, David, in any other way. I think it's wonderful, she said, end quote. The educator was asked to resign from the Tallahassee Classical School in Florida after less than a year on the job. Local media reported that she did not know the reason she was asked to leave originally, but believed it was related to the complaints over the lesson. If you've ever been to Italy, seen the Statue of David, it's 17 foot tall. It's a masterpiece. I don't know how else you can frame it other than a masterpiece. And yet David is naked. He's standing up there 17 feet in all his glory. Same David that killed Goliath. The art lesson was given to 11 and 12 year olds, including an image of David and referenced Michelangelo's creation of Adam painting, and Botticelli's Birth of Venus, both of which also contain nudity. One parent complained that the Renaissance-era material was pornographic. Seriously? And others said they wanted to know about the lesson before it was taught. I think that's fair. The David, for accuracy, was completed by Michelangelo between 1501 and 1504. Instantly hailed as a masterpiece with Renaissance artist Giorgio Vasari saying that David surpassed any statue that had ever existed before. I remember in college, I had to take an art class. 
And at the time, I was a jock, and I was just interested in basketball and girls. I'm going to be honest here. Studies, eh. Although I had to maintain a good GPA to play ball. So one semester, we had to take art. And it was, at first, very strange to me. We studied the Renaissance. This teacher was very passionate. And my original response was, I wasn't interested in all in any of this stuff. It was, it was an area of life I never actually gave a thought to. Save maybe in high school, my high school literature teacher was a man named Gary DeCosca, changed my life when we studied Romeo and Juliet. I was a basketball player then too. And I thought, oh, (laughs) I'm not going to say anything that I'm into Romeo and Juliet, but, you know, it it was the way the teacher taught the class. He he was so magnificent, so gifted. If anybody's listening that went to Notre Dame or you you knew who Gary DeCosca was. He's passed away recently, but... That man changed my life. So that was the first sense I had about art. And then I go to college, have to take this art class. And I was like, no. And then literally within a couple of weeks, when we started studying Michelangelo, even in my resistance, I'm like, this dude was different. I mean, look at the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Took him how many years to do that? What motivates someone? Someone that finds an area in life, not only a creative expression about the beauty of life, but someone that's given that level of skill, it's kind of undeniable. And then there's the statue of David. Now, I don't profess to know all of this story, But an art lesson, it sounds like kind of a specialty school. Somebody complained. I can't believe they're showing our kids uh, the naked statue of David. Maybe it's an overreaction to all the other stuff that's going on in school at that age. I'm receptive to that. A lot of the, the sexual curriculum. Man, on Twitter, Elon Musk has let everything go. I was reading a screenshot of a book in an elementary school where literally the chapters with drawings as vivid as they come, I can't say on the air, I've got, I've got FCC rules. But I mean, some of what was printed in that book for eight, nine-year-olds would make a, um, a prostitute blush. So maybe part of the story is an overreaction. I don't know, but when you talk about the arts... When you talk about history, it's hard for me to comprehend that people would be so outraged to want to shut that down. But then again, we are living in a day and age by which anything that doesn't support a particular narrative, the attempt loud and proud, the attempt is to silence all dissenting voices, all disagreements. And if we can't even stand for the arts... If that goes by the wayside too, ultimately it's a a mechanism of control. That's what socialism is. I mean, just study history. 
Study Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, what they did in Vietnam. Stalin. I mean, I can go down the list. And you poll the majority of young people at institutions of higher learning, and I say that tongue-in-cheek satirically, the majority of students at colleges and universities all say, I think it's like 57%, socialism is fantastic. It's a great thing. Having virtually no understanding what socialism is, just what they're being taught. What a time to be alive on planet Earth, wouldn't you say? I hope and pray you benefited from tonight's program in some way, shape, or form. You can send me your comments privately at my email address, which is frank at kmgministries.com. This program will be downloaded virtually right after the program at franksontag.com. All my podcasts are there. And starting next Friday night's program at 7 o'clock, a huge announcement you will not want to miss. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, KBC family. Until next time, may God bless you deeply. And you are listening to Talk Radio 790 KABC. The Frank Sontag Show is furnished by Phil Liberatore and the law offices of Berglund & Johnson.